Thank you for your presence today. God's design for family is progressively eroding. Today, countless families do not come close to His divine standard, and we don't have to look far to see its impact. The head of the family is the Father, who is responsible for the spiritual, physical, and mental development of His family. Sadly, too many children grow up without a father's godly influence, resulting in boys having no respect for girls and girls having no respect for themselves. Keep Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander cautions us to return to God's design for the family. The Word of God is what strengthens you. It gives you direction. It fortifies you. It helps you to minister to your children. It helps you to know what to say, what not to say. It keeps you calm in the storm. The Word of God is so essential. It is, it, the, the Word of God is, is, is just like physical food to the physical body. Just like you need physical food to live, you need spiritual food to live spiritually, powerfully to the glory of God. Number six, it is your priestly responsibility to bring your children to church to worship Christ. It is your priestly responsibility to bring your children and your family to church to worship Christ. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. In other words, not don't get in the habit of not coming to church. That's what that scripture is saying. As the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The Lord is coming back and we need to be found in church. When, when, when death comes, where will death find you? Attending church should be non-negotiable in your home. Just because your children are older does not mean they have an option to stay home. What makes the church so valuable is that the church, some people think the church is not valuable. I can just stay home and live stream. I can just do this and do that and all of that. But to, to God that grieves his heart. What makes the church so valuable? Some of you don't know the value of the church. That's why you don't come. What makes the church so valuable is that the Lord established the church. He founded the church. What makes the church so valuable is that the Lord shed his blood for the church. He shed his blood for the church. What makes the church so valuable is that the church is the bride of Christ. It's the bride of Christ. Uh, what makes the church so valuable? He is coming back for his church. He's not coming back for some school. He's not coming back from some fraternity, some sorority. He's not coming back for some secular uh, program. Uh, 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 he's not coming back uh, for celebrities and all that kind of stuff. He's coming back for the church. To think that church attendance and church membership are unnecessary is unbiblical and foreign to scripture. Psalms 122 verse 1 says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Not only are you required by the Lord to have great church attendance, you must also possess a right attitude and spirit as you are engaged in worship celebration. Now some people, it's a, you, you're amazed how some folk come to church, but they don't want to be here. Oh, I'm here just because of the baby dedication. I'm here just because I'm invited on Father's Day. Or I'm here just because it's Easter or it's Christmas. I'm here because of a baptism. You ought to be here because the Lord is here. You ought to be here because the Spirit of God is here. You ought to be here because this is a place of refuge. This is a place where you learn how to grow. This is a place where you come to fellowship and and be refined in, in the things of God. 
Psalms 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. The worst thing you can do is be in God's house and you not want to be here. You're here in body, but you're not here in your spirit. You're here in body, but your mind is somewhere else. You're here in body, but you count down. I, I'm going to give him 10 more minutes. I'm going to walk out of here. You don't say that in the fourth quarter of a game. You don't say that when people go out and they're at some party or some this or some that. You come in after midnight and think nothing of it and be at work eight o'clock next morning. Come to church. Oh, a minute too long. No clocks in heaven, by the way. <laughs> Number seven, it is your priestly responsibility to teach your children how to give financially to the Lord. It is your priestly responsibility to teach your children how to give financially to the Lord. Now, parents, if you're not giving to the Lord, you can't teach your children how to give. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Children learn to give tithes and offering to the Lord by watching their parents give. Your children are not too young to start giving uh, to start giving to the Lord. You say, but they don't work. Help them, put them to work around the house and then give them an allowance and tell them to tithe off of the allowance. If you do not teach them to give when they are young, they will struggle in giving financially to the Lord and to anyone else when they are older. Number eight, it is your responsibility to model servanthood by being a godly example before your wife and children, dads. It is your responsibility to to model servanthood by being a godly example before your wife and children. First Peter 5, 5a says, in the same way you younger men must accept the authority of the elders and all of you serve each other in humility. Refuse, listen to this, refuse to believe that old adage that says, don't do as I do, do as I say. Uh-uh, that's out the window. You have to teach your children to serve God and others. You are the model before your children and that life is not just wrapped up around them. You have to teach your children how to serve. They should go with you and you should be going to knock on doors to tell people about Jesus. You teach your children through modeling, volunteering in the nursery here at the church, volunteering in the tutorial ministry to help children who are struggling in math and reading and such things, uh, ministering to the homeless on the streets. Um, uh, there's a group of kids went out just yesterday uh, ministering to the needs of the community, teaching your children how to go to nursing home residents that we have here at the church, volunteering to meet the needs of the hungry. We do all of that. First, first Samuel chapter 12, verse 24, a says only fear the Lord and serve him in truth. And with all your heart, consider what great things he has done for you. How many of you know, God has done great things for you. How many of you know that, you know, you know, if God doesn't do another thing, he's done more than you deserve. He's done great things. Well, what, what services are you giving Back to God. What are you giving back to God? Or are you a professional pew sitter? Number nine, fathers, give your children a godly vision and purpose for their lives and career paths. Fathers, give your children a godly vision and purpose for their lives and their career paths. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, 
For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Never call daddies, mamas, never call your children demeaning and degrading names which will reduce their self-worth and their self-esteem. Your responsibility as parents is not to tear them down. The world will do that. Their peers will do that. But rather to edify your children, to build them up and tell them uh, that, that, that you're with them. You're their greatest supporter. Tell your children that they are king's kids and that they have worth and value. Encourage your children to be visionary. Encourage your children and grandchildren to dream big and to be secure as to who they are in Christ. Remind your children that God has a special plan and purpose for their lives. If they live holy and obey his word, God will uphold and clarify his will and purpose for each of your children's lives. Finally, but not the least, your daddy's, your priestly responsibility as a father is to cultivate within your children character. Your responsibility is to cultivate within your children morality, human dignity. You're responsible for teaching your children how to respect your family, respect your mother, the father. Your home, their home, the possessions. You're responsible for teaching your children, uh, uh, for having compassion and not being hard. You are to teach your children how to love because they see a daddy who loves unconditionally. And you're responsible, dads, for teaching your children integrity. This is missing in so many families today, and the home, for the most part, has been negligent in developing these character traits. Sadly, many parents are setting a poor example before their children. Let me give you an astounding example. A Houston high school principal has come under fire for implementing a dress code for parents. Not for children, a dress code for parents. I never thought I'd see the death for parents. I mean, for parents, the principal stated that the code is necessary to establish standards for students. But critics says the move could be discriminatory. They make me sick. Everything is discriminating. You tell folks to dress right. Discrimination. Fix yourself up. Discrimination. Stop cussing. Discrimination. The new high school protocol of this school will mean that parents will be turned away from the school if they show up to that school wearing pajamas. I don't understand it. I'm in AGB, grown men and children walking around, teeth not breast, slaughter. Where's the Kool-Aid? I was at the airport, saw a grown man at the airport in pajamas. That's what happened when the standard goes down. It goes down, down. After a while, y'all, they're going to be naked. Don't say nothing because you didn't stop the pajamas. (laughs) Don't... (laughs) 
<laughs> she said, don't you come to the school wearing pajamas, hair rollers, leggings, or certain other items of clothing. Also banned from school grounds are men wearing undershirts. You know them white beater shirts, you know them things with a little strap. You know what I'm talking about. Feel like they just beat somebody up and they wearing them out there, you know. This is a parent. You parents, you can't come in here. I can't believe this. Wearing sagging pants. The parents. Other women revealing tops. Torn jeans showing lots of skin. And, And look what she says. And dresses that are up there behind. I didn't say this, unquote. And let me let you just, I'm going to put the unquote. Unquote. Okay? Unquote, unquote. I didn't say behind, she said behind. Now, you know we're in a bad day. And then they're going to have a discrimination. While some are outraged by the new rules, some parents understand the code. The, the, the principal said presentation is everything. The way you carry yourself shows a lot about yourself, says a parent whose daughter attend that school. If you can get dressed, here's what the principal says. If you can get dressed up to do other things, you can definitely get yourself prepared to go to your child's school. The principal said you, the parent, are your child's first teacher. Therefore, we must have high standards. Now, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? I applaud that lady. I would high five if I saw her. And the, and the people have a death. Discrimination. Parents. If children are not taught godly values in the home and church, then where else are they going to learn them? Surely they will not get them from the music industry. They're not going to get it from television, universities, politicians, or social media. Many children today do not respect the police. They don't respect the teacher. They don't don't respect the elderly. They don't respect other people's property. And they do not even have respect for themselves. No self-respect. Timothy, uh, Titus, Titus chapter two, verse six through six through eight and verse 12 says, similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything. Set them an example by doing what is good in your teaching. Show integrity, seriousness and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. I said this was the final one, but I miscounted down here. I haven't, because I normally have 10, but I got one more for the road and it's short. So be, be patient with me, okay? A priestly father must be available to his family if he is going to cultivate his children's spiritual development. A priestly father must be available to his family if he's going to cultivate his children's spiritual development. You can't cultivate your children's spiritual development if you're an absentee father. First Timothy 3, 4 says he must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. 
You cannot manage your household well if you are not available to do it. You cannot love your career daddy. You cannot love your hobby, your money, your friends to the detriment of time spent with your family. Be a relational priest in your home. Don't just come home. Hey, dad. Hi. Love you, daddy. Okay. Stop speaking in one word answers. Communicate. Articulate. Look your children in the eye. Uh, Talk to them. Be relational in your home. And do not be spiritually dry. And drab, and the only time you get life is when you got some liquor in you. Then you're the life of the body. You you shouldn't have to juice yourself up to have life. The Holy Ghost ought to give you life. Yeah. So be a relational priest in your home. And do not be spiritually dry and drab and legalistic. Devil gonna get you. Devil gonna get you. Oh no, you can't do that. Can't do that. Don't, don't touch that. Don't play cards. That's sick. Don't play down the nose. Don't, 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 don't. You don't feel about the house. Okay, if they can't do this, let them do this if it's reasonable and if it's, if it's not gonna bring harm. You can't be legalistic and have freedom in the house. Yo, daddy, listen to me for heaven's sake. It's a sad day when your children are afraid of you. Where's your tenderness and kindness? No child should be afraid of his daddy. You can't be legalistic. That will drain the life, the vigor, the vitality, the energy, and the fun right out of your home environment. Parents, it's, it is possible For your home, it is highly possible for your home to be so stressed. It is possible for your house to be so rigid and stiff and emotionally exasperated until your children are in bondage because of your house. They cannot smile. You can see a child with something wrong. They can't smile. Uh, And they don't feel any sense of freedom to be a child. And it can be evidenced by looking at that child's facial expressions. Proverbs 17, 22 says, a merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bone. Fathers, be thankful for your family. Be thankful. Be happy for your family. Bring joy to your home and not sadness. Be a priest in your home. So much so that it overflows into the life of your family and your children. If you live out, if you live out these principles, which were just given to you, your children will rise up and call you blessed. I, I remember I closed with this illustration. Uh, we would make an arrangement. My sisters, our two sisters and us, were six of us, but three of us probably doing the work. We're going to funeral homes. We're going to graveyard cemeteries and we're moving over here and doing, we have to pay this, we had to pay that, we had to go here, go there. Then I took them out to eat and then we went back and resumed work, check on mama, do good food, do all, or just all move around. But, uh, last days before my father died, I bought a Father's Day card. I bought several Father's Day cards, uh, to for family members. And my daddy was still alive then. And then I had the card and he died four day in the morning. And I said, when I took this card to fill it, I said, he's gone. 
They said, what am I going to do with the guy? I said, I can't, if I put money in it, he can't spend it now if I do this. And I said, he's gone. And then the Lord said, write him a love note anyhow. And so I just wrote him just like I would normally do. And I wrote him and I wrote him. And then I put it in an envelope. And when we were at the funeral home waiting to be served, I told my sisters, I, I, I told them, I said, you know what I did? And I told them what I did. And they said, well, can we sign that card too? Can we write on that card too? I took the card, reopened it, and they all wrote love and signed their names and put the date on it. And then when we got to the, the guy that was over the facilities and all that, I said, can you do this? Uh, do us a favor. He said, what's that? We've all written on this Father's Day card, our heart, our last Father's Day message. And we put it in this card and he died before we could give it to him. Can you just open the, the bottom part and put this by his legs, under his legs and just nobody else will see it and we'll have it there? He said, I'll be happy to do that. And you know how me, how I am. Then I got inquisitive. <laughs> I, I said, mister, can I ask you a question? I said, I, can, I know you know a lot of stuff. I said, what have folk, what have folk put in their caskets? He said, you don't want to know. <laughs> I said, he said, what? They put Coors in there. They put packages of cigarettes with the package of cigarettes in there. Uh, we have even put marijuana cigarettes, marijuana sticks under there, all of that. And he just went on, uh, you know, just like I said, enough. Because <laughs> that's the way they live. That's the way he lived. And that's what, and they put it in, you know, they kind of couch it under because they figure like, you know, that's going to help him when he get to the afterlife, not knowing that it's not going to work that way. <laughs> but, but that was so, that was closure for us, for us all to participate and do that in honor of him. You who have your fathers today, I say to you, hug him now, kiss him now. Love him now. He's one heart attack from being gone. One stroke from being gone. One sickness from being gone. Out of fact, he don't have to have nothing and be gone. You love you. Don't you wait till he's on his deathbed or died prematurely to tell him, I, daddy, I love you when he can't hear. Give him his flowers. Love your mama. Give them their your love while they can experience it. And all God's children said, God bless you. Father, we thank you for the message. We thank you for your love. We thank you for this special day. And I know this message spoke in many ways to many people. It will even help us to reprioritize what we think, say, and do. This message will help us to stop fighting over stuff that don't make sense, being mad and unforgiving, but to love each other, appreciate each other, affirm each other, support each other, care for each other, have each other's back, because one day we'll look around and one will be gone. Thank you, Father, that I can stand here with no regrets knowing that I love my dad to the end. And I pray that nobody under my voice have regrets because they failed to do what they should have done 
but they allowed life to get too busy. They were so important. They were all of that. And now they're gone. In Jesus' name, all God's children said, you here today and know not the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, believe on the Lord and you will be saved. Daddies, the only way you can live, do this prescription, this spiritual prescription that we laid out is that you got to come to Jesus. There's a daddy here who needs to make a fresh start. There's a mother here who needs to start over. I was talking to daddies, but I was talking to mothers too. Those same principles go to you too. Some of you just need to start over. Those of you who've been holding stuff against your spouse, against your child, against your siblings, and you in bondage. There's some of you been too mean. Some of you been too argumentative. Some of you really, truth be told, you've been screaming too much. And God is telling you to calm down, calm down, gain your composure, and be a peacemaker. This message is for you. Some of you, there's a daddy here without a church home. There's another daddy, your runaway dad. How would this impact your decision if you knew that tomorrow you would be dead. Would you come up here today? You don't have a tomorrow until God gives it to you. Make the most of your day today. And you come to Christ, daddy. Bring your family. Mom, you have to move. Sometimes a child got to do what parents won't do. But the worst thing you can do is not respond to God. Every father must set the spiritual tone for his family. He must pray, protect, provide, and teach. He must be regularly and actively involved in Christian fellowship and ministry, ensuring that his family is as well. He must faithfully contribute financially to his church and, by example, teach his family to do the same. He must be available to his family. Fathers, stand up for Jesus. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching, or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109 directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.